What are your favorite one-hit wonders? Midsummer Center Chat. Let's talk. Welcome to the Center Cuts Center Chat. I'm Dave. And I am Michael. Michael, I'm feeling the rhythm. I'm feeling the rhyme. Get on up. It's one hit wonder time. Wow, we didn't even plan that. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're talking one hit wonders today. Yeah, we had Chris on on our, our midsummer episode, and it was very good. Two takeaways that we had after that where we thought, first, we're done talking about death yep. and bad things. Yep. Because it sucks. Also, we both want Chris's job. All of his jobs. All of the hats he wears. We want all of them. But the one that is slightly attainable to us is the podcast that he has where he talks about one-hit wonders. Yeah. So we're going to do our version of that. And we created our list of our top three one-hit wonders to throw at your face. Throwing at your face. So it's not really as much discussion as just uh, here's some information about us and we'll make fun of each other for the choices we've made. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Now, David, I guess clarification-wise, this is subjective. Oh, yes. Very, very subjective. Okay. Now, are there some great one-hit wonders from the 60s and 70s? Yes. Mm -hmm. A couple of songs were on my honorable mentions and made my top 10. But I talked about this on another episode. I just feel like, outliers aside, humans, us, are set up to subconsciously like songs that we can attach memories to. And I am more likely to attach memories to a song that came out in the 90s or early 2000s when important and new things are happening to me every day versus in the 2010s when I was mostly listening to music when I was driving to a job I hated. So my list ends up spanning from 1988 to 1996, which is a very short window. I know you kind of have some things from different time periods. You're a better boy than me. Yeah, I tried to pick one from each of the major one-hit wonder decades, 70s, 80s, 90s. It's almost impossible, not impossible, but it's a lot less likely that there are one-hit wonders now, like in today's music. Because what even is a hit now? You could have a song that's not even on the radio, and it's, you have like millions of views on YouTube. Is that is that a hit? Yeah, that's a great question. Like, is Friday by Rebecca Black considered a hit, technically? You know? I think it is. I mean, it made her a lot of money, and that's yeah. her only song. But it's like... But it never like showed up on the charts or anything like that. So it's, it's a lot tougher to classify now. Yeah, I think it is a little bit muddier than it was back in the 80s where all music came out the same way and it was right. very easy to to dictate. I do yeah. think that, you know, 20 years from now will they be saying like, "Oh yeah, that was a one-hit wonder" because they didn't come out with anything else. It, it's also tougher now like I wouldn't want to define something that was in like the 2010 region as a one-hit wonder because those people could still come out with something decent. Not to say that the people that we're going to talk about today can't come out with something else great, but it's much less likely the further away you get from that original hit. No, it's true. I mean, an example of something that we could have classified as a one-hit wonder, Panic at the Disco had a hit single in 2005, and then their next quote-unquote hit wasn't until like 2019. Yeah. But anyway, the other thing I wanted to make mention of up front is that I am not a popular music guy. Now, I'm not, I'm not a hipster who actively rails against pop music. I need a level of pop in my songs. Like, if it doesn't have a catchy chorus or verses, get the fuck out of here. Stop wasting my time. But my point is that I don't always love things that are popular because it's my overarching belief that the majority of the population is stupid 
And therefore, why would I like what they do? Plus, if it gets overplayed, I'm out. Yeah, I came into this full knowing that yours were going to be much more obscure than mine. <laughs> it's just who I am. But on that note, it does have to be an actual hit. Yeah. It has to be either the top 25 in either the Hot 100 or close to that, but a top song in its genre chart. All right, enough of that. Let's get into our actual lists. Yeah, give me your number three. We'll count down from the top here. Number three, Buffalo Stance by Nene Cherry. Now, this came out in 1988. It was number three on the Hot 100 and number one on Dance. I can't fucking believe that this song got to number three on the Hot 100. It also hit number 16 on Rap, which that's a loose term for being a rap song. It has 28 million views on YouTube. That's many views. This actually goes against my beginning argument a little bit because this song didn't enter my life until 2010, 2011. I hadn't heard it before then, 20 years after it came out. I hadn't heard it until... Three days ago when you told me this is one of the songs that's going to be on my list. <laughs> there was this bar, Slatteries, that I used to frequent around that time, 2010, 2011. And an engagement had recently ended. So I was on the prowl. And this song ended up on the jukebox music player thing almost every night. Oftentimes when my current wife, Ashley, was there. And apparently it was a phase because she doesn't dress like this anymore. But she used to always wear these big 80s hoop earrings and short booty shorts. And she basically could have been Nene Cherry from this music video. So what I'm saying is I want to fuck Nene Cherry. No, it just it brings back some fuzzy but fond memories and it slaps. I can't even fathom your wife dressing like that. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. But this song slaps. (laughs) It slaps, David. I don't like it. What? What don't you like about it? I don't understand any of it. I'm too white. The first word of the song is gigolo. Yeah. Which is already a great sign for this song. The only thing I like about it is the number of times she says sucka. Listen to the lyrics from this first verse. That's the girls on the block with the nasty clothes, wearing padded bras, sucking beers through straws, dropping down their drawers. Where did you get yours? Pure poetry, David. (laughs) That's unreal. But the chorus wins it for me. The no money man part and the we always stand in a buffalo stance. Mm, 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 mm. Try leaving this episode without singing that in your head the rest of the day. I dare you. I guarantee you they won't because they're going to have my song stuck in their head. We'll see. I also wanted to mention the chords at the end as it's fading out. It just has this weird feel to it that's different than the rest of the song, but I like it. I don't think I made it to the end. Wow, you're wrong. Now, David, there's a part in the middle, though, where she randomly does like a British accent. What is he like? What's he like anyway? And does the Cardi B laugh 30 years before it was popular? (laughs) I'm not sure if I hate her. I love that part, but it's it's there. (laughs) I didn't even know what a buffalo stance was. It just means like you're acting cool with your friends. Yeah, I had to look it up. It's like it's it's an actual stance. And it's the pose that Run DMC does a lot where you like cross your arms and like look to the side. Yeah, it just means that you're better than the people that you're standing around. Yeah. The music video real quick. It's so late 80s. It hurts. I don't know if you saw that. (laughs) It's so bad. It's basically just her in front of a green screen with ridiculous, chunky, early window screensaver graphics blowing around her. Yeah. She had a few other songs. None of them had the same success of Buffalo Stance. She got a couple other albums, but she has done a bunch of collaborations 
as she's gone on in time, including one with one of your favorite bands, David, Gorillaz. Oh, really? And yes, her half-brother is fellow one-hit wonder, Eagle Eye Cherry. Save tonight. You know that song from the nope. 90s? Yeah. Oh, I mean, probably. That's the thing with One Hit Wonders is like, I probably know most of them, but I don't know the people who sang them or their t- the title of the song. But if I hear, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know that. Well, anyway, it's Eagle Eye Cherry's half-sister. Wow. I'm going to go a literal complete 180 from that. Like <laughs> the most 180 that I could possibly do. And my number three is by Christian rock group Crash Test Dummies, and it is mm-mm. Mm-mm. I didn't know they were Christian. Yeah, I, I think they like kind of started as a Christian rock band and then just kind of evolved into a, a rock band. They topped at number four on the U.S. Hot 100. The song was released in, in 1993 on the album God Shuffled His Feet, <laughs> which is a is a great album name. Number one on the alternative charts and currently 23 million views on YouTube. This song for me it's Brad Roberts. That That's it. Like He's the, the lead singer of Crash Test Dummies. And his beautiful bass baritone voice, it just is so good. <laughs> and I don't think that many people could pull off a chorus that is just hums. But with that deep of a voice, you can make it happen. You know? Smash the soul. Yeah, he is. He certainly has a unique voice. And I think that's what pushed this into being a hit. If he just had a regular voice singing the song, I don't know that it would have been as big of a hit. Yeah, no one would have cared. They actually had a long hiatus for a long time. In 2018, they started touring again to celebrate the 25 year anniversary of that album and that song. Because of COVID, a little bit of the tour kind of got cut off and moved around. So they're actually coming back around here in March to Mass. So if you want to go see Crash Test Dummies in March, this coming March, I'm I'm down to clown. <laughs> There's another song from that album that I didn't mind called Afternoons and Coffee Spoons. I think it was a follow-up single. Obviously didn't chart, but yeah, not a bad song. See, the song that I latched on to when I was researching Crash Test Dummies was the song that made them originally popular up in Canada, and it was Superman's song. Have you ever listened to the song Superman's song? I have. I like the lyrics. The song itself can go fucking eat a donkey. It's so <laughs> slow and boring. Yeah, the lyrics are unreal. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about anymore. Like, whatever. Like, it's a good song. I like it. The f- literal first verse to Superman's song is Tarzan wasn't a ladies' man. He'd just come along and scoop him up under his arm like that quick as a cat in the jungle. What the fuck? <laughs> and then this song just continues to compare Superman and Tarzan, and it's just unreal. Something like that could only be big in Canada. So very good. Crash Us Dummies, my number three. One thing I just wanted to mention is that I prefer the Weird Al parody headline news to the actual real mm-mm-mm because it references Lorena Bobbitt cutting off her husband's wiener. And that's how you know you hit it big, right? Is when Weird Al's covering your shit. Like, yes, Headline News is also a great song. Now, David, before we cut into the rest of our list here, I think it's time for a center commercial. Center commercial. Today's episode is brought to you by Mizen. Virtually every chef agrees that a sharp, well-balanced chef's knife is the essential workhorse for any kitchen. 
Dave knows I like to brag about being a butcher, but it's true. The right knife makes all the difference. A great knife should feel good in your hand, stay sharp, and hold up over time to the rigors of your kitchen. Simple, right? But behind these deceptively simple concepts are centuries of tradition, technology, design, and craft. Meisen spent four years and went through 37 different prototypes developing the perfect knife because every little detail matters. What was the final result? A knife that's a pleasure to hold, sharp enough to plow through even the toughest foods, and a blade that stays sharper longer. The best part is by partnering closely with their factories and selling directly online, Meisen is able to offer incredible cookware at wholesale pricing. I can already picture myself humming like the crash test dummies as I slice and dice my dinner. Go to the link in our show notes and get your Mizen knife today. Mizen, the perfect blade at an unreal price. All right, I think it's time for my number two, David. Let's hear it. It is No Rain by Blind Melon. Song came out in 1993. It hit number 20 on the Hot 100, but it, it was number one and one on the mainstream and alternative rock chart, respectively. And it has 61 million views on YouTube. This is the only song you gave me in all three of yours that I know. But right from the opening notes, it is on. Yep. There are few 90s songs with more recognizable intros in my mind. You just know the song right from the first note. Yes. It's a simple song, but it's it's a classic, just like your choice. It's all about the singer in this one, Shannon Hoon. Dude has such a unique voice. Now, he died of a drug overdose two years after this dropped, so he's not a smart man. But I'll say it again. I don't hold the personal life of an artist against them. Doesn't change the art. Separation of art and state. Part of this for me is tough because as much as it is a one-hit wonder... Technically, I think that it was just due to him dying. So like this is a hard one to define as a one hit wonder, because although they only had one hit, I think that this band probably would have gone on to have additional hits in especially in the 90s. They were like primetime 90s, like they would have been great, but got cut short because Shannon Hoon died. He he died and they didn't get a replacement vocalist until like 2007. So Mm -hmm. which is wild. So this is definitely their only hit. But the music video is also just as famous as the song, maybe even more famous with the bee girl. A little little chubby bumblebee girl. Yeah, she she gets laughed at, but she finds her way to a field of other bee people where she can be happy. And, And it just adds to the lore of the song. The lyrics definitely sound like they're about being depressed, you know, not wanting to get out of bed, needing somebody to be there for you when you wake. But the song is sort of uplifting in its tone that it sounds like it's kind of fighting the depression of the lyrics, which I like. I just want. I don't know. It's just it's just a good song to me. I feel like it's been around my whole life. It's just kind of in the background. I've never owned it or sought it out. But when it's on, I will listen to the full song and enjoy it. It's just an iconic 90s song. Yeah, I would listen to this one, too. Also, fun fact, while I was researching them, I found that they released a best of album in 2005 covering their two albums. What are you putting on a best of album of your two original albums? Half of each album. Half of each album. (laughs) Just a money grab. They did two other compilation albums prior to that one, though. Like, like, what are you doing? Switching out like one or two songs on each one? Just remixes, man. (laughs) Very good song. Uh, I'm a fan. All right. You're number two. 
My number two brings us back to the 70s, late 70s, but we're still in the 70s. And it is Cars by Gary Newman. So good. It's the beat because Gary Newman can't really sing, is not all that talented. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I'm glad that you did. Yeah, he's not a very good singer. It's it's the beat in the background and the lyrics are good. The music is just so goddamn catchy that it doesn't matter. There could be literally no lyrics when I think I would like this song. This man is now 63 fucking years old. But when this came out back in 79, it topped itself out at number nine on the U.S. Hot 100 out of the the album The Pleasure Principle. This song and Gary Newman is huge in the UK. So that's, mm-hmm. I guess, one thing we needed to clarify is this is one hit wonders for the US. Yeah. Because he is not a one hit wonder in the UK. No, he's released 24 albums. But this was his only hit in the US and it has 6 million views on YouTube. And half of them are me. The second half of the song is all just instrumental, David. Yep. There's not even any lyrics. But like you said, it's like he wrote a catchy tune, but he didn't have anything important to say. Like he literally, he just thought of the word cars and like that's half of his lyrics. <laughs> like you <laughs> It's, just, it's anything. I actually looked up what the argument behind the lyrics were and like the idea of the song and what he was trying to get across. And I found some some articles, but mainly the song is supposed to be about the use of technology and material goods to isolate yourself from contact with other humans, which is what? crazy. So Gary Newman has Asperger's. That makes so much sense. So until he was diagnosed, he had a lot of trouble like fitting in with other people and stuff like that. I got even deeper into the reasoning behind the song, and I found a quote from him in a magazine in 2008, and he said, A couple of blokes started peering in the window and for whatever reason took a dislike to me, so I had to take evasive action. I swerved off the pavement, scattering pedestrians everywhere. After that, I began to see the car as a tank of modern society. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Wow. I actually looked up what his net worth is. It's like $7 million. That's it. Speaking of which, Brad Roberts only has $3 million. Yeah. Slacker. I'm surprised. That car song has been used in like 7,000 commercials. How does he not have more than $7 million? Fun fact, he is also, there's a website about money and being horrible at it. <laughs> yeah, finances and stuff like that. And he has come out and said like, I am very, very bad at this. He has wiped out all of his money many times. That makes more sense. His new music is out of control. He went like really goth and like he just released some new music actually at the beginning of this year that topped out at number two on the UK charts. And uh, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if (laughs) I don't know if maybe he sounds better to people in the UK, like his voice, if it like makes more sense, I don't know. But the singing is so bad. Like the beat is so good. It, it's like a, a little bit heavier goth, like metal type of beat, but with a, little, a little electronic in it. It's like really badass. And then he starts singing and it's like, I can't even handle this. Well, I could listen to you scream pretty music to my Original Cars, very good. I loved it. Listen, I get it for its novelty's sake. It has an awesome beat, but it's just too boring for me, man. When the second half of a song is instrumental, I'm out. Well, when half of a song is just rapping, to me, I'm out. All right. Different strokes for different folks, you know? I stroke better. All right, it's time for my number one, David. My favorite one-hit wonder 
is In the Meantime by Space Hog. Why? I'll get to why, but it came out in 1996. It hit number 32 on the Hot 100, but it was number one and number two on the mainstream and modern rock charts, respectively. It has three million views on YouTube, but it has only been up for two years, so there must be some sort of record label reason. There's just so many great parts of this song. Now, I'm not normally an instrumentation guy at all. Like, give me soaring, catchy vocals and some intelligent lyrics, and I'm good. You could do that shit over syncopated dog farts, and I'll still fuck with it. Oh, see, I'm all about the music in the background. I don't care about the lyrics or the voice at all. I can tell by your choices, but this groovy-ass bass line, oh my god. Shit is funky, David. The shit is funky. It's a funky baseline. The sample they use in the intros and during the verses underneath the music, it's from a band called Penguin Cafe Orchestra, who is like a 70s and 80s indie folk band who created this composition called Telephone and Rubber Band, which is literally just that. It's a UK dial tone type noise with the twangs of a rubber band. And Space Hog changed the pitch a little bit. Now, even though the lyrics, though, they're mostly nonsensical, the chorus still fucks. We love the all, the all of you. I don't know what that means. I like it. And they managed to fit in the lyric, give my love to the future of the humankind. That's dope. I want to give my love to the future of the humankind. Yeah, it did feel, and even watching the music video too, it felt like this was like an, an anthem of just like, love everyone and stop hating just because you're different. Yeah. Which I can get behind. And the falsetto-y intro part, I still haven't talked about that yet somehow. I love that part. Yeah. I am a sucker for piano outros and rock songs. This is no different. just sounds epic to me, David. It just sounds epic to me. So all of those parts all come together to make a song that I just love. And this was one of the first cassettes that I owned as a kid. They used to have that catalog thing where you would get 12 cassettes or whatever for $1.99. But then the catch was you had to buy another one every month for like 15 bucks or something. Remember those? Nope. Or is that before your time? It's before your time. Anyway, I got this Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, the Lion King soundtrack, the Grammy nominees of 1994 and Collective Soul. And I just remember being so disappointed because the rest of this tape sucked dog balls. This was the only good song on that cassette. I'll never forget that. And also the cover of the album was the photo ID of an alien because it was called Resident Alien. And for sex, instead of male or female, it said, oh, yes. And my 11 year old self loved that. <laughs> yeah, it's just a great song, but they have done nothing else. I mean, they've had albums, but nothing that's even remotely charted. But the singer Royston Langdon, which is the most British name of all fucking time. Mm -hmm. He did have a kid with Liv Tyler. So that's something. Oh, wow. That is something. And it's because of this song. Oh, yeah. She liked this song so much that she's like, let me get it on with you. Also, his flock of seagulls hair. All those things. Mm -hmm. Amazing song. Yeah, it's not bad. Now it's time for me to tell you and all of our listeners what the best one hit wonder of all time is. It's fallen to me and it's the best one. And it's Party All the Time by Eddie Murphy. That's it. 
do I need to even say anything about it? It's just the best. It's the complete package. Got a catchy beat, heavy 80s feel, great lyrics about your woman sleeping around because she just wants to party all the time, and a silky smooth Eddie Murphy. Mm. Scrumptious. This song did top out at number two on the US charts in 1985 when it was released. 63 million views on YouTube. Baby. Add all yours together. Do they even add up to Eddie Murphy? That Bumblebee girl can't save you. But David, listen, the chorus of the song is awesome. I will give you that. The verses are horrible. And the second half is just instrumental again. What is with 70s and 80s songs with like they just run out of lyrics? He's like, I got this great chorus, but he's like, I can't do anything else. No, 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 no. People appreciated music back then. Not like you, you motherfucker. (laughs) It's just so good. He had another hit in 1989 called Put Your Mouth On Me. Then you picked a song that's not even a one-hit wonder. No, that one topped out at 27, so fuck you. All right. But it was also very good. He released a new single featuring Snoop Dogg in 2013. Do you know that? Nope. It's called Red Light. It's a reggae song. So it was with Snoop Lion then. Yes, correct. And apparently he's working on a new album, but that news was a while ago and we haven't seen anything, so who knows when that'll come out. I mean, he's been busy doing other things like The Nutty Professor. Yeah, all great things. Dr. Doolittle's, all of the 8,000 Beverly Hills Cops movies. I didn't realize how early in his career this song was. This was very early, yeah. I, I read that it was a bet that he made with Richard Pryor that he could have a good enough singing voice to have a hit song. Yeah, not surprised because he crushed it. Also makes its way onto lists of like the top 50 worst songs ever. <laughs> I think it's just there's something I appreciate about someone who's just saying, like, I don't care how good I am at this. I just want to do it like I enjoy it and I just want to do it. And the fact that he's come back to music multiple times since then, it it just like tells me like he just enjoys doing it and wants to do it. And he has the wherewithal and the money, obviously, to do it. So he's just like, fuck it. I'm just going to do music sometimes when I feel like it. No, Eddie Murphy is is certainly an entertainer. Like, this is proof. It doesn't matter what he's doing entertainment-wise, whether it's comedy, whether it's singing, whether it's a movie acting, he can do it. I don't have a problem with his singing voice. Like, I think it's perfectly fine. I just, I get bored by the second half of the song, and I think the verses are trash. The chorus is great. Chorus is great. Ugh. Chills. Well, that was our list of our three favorite one-hit wonders, but we need to know what you think. Yeah, we want to hear what your top one-hit wonders are, and you could tell us that by posting on our Instagram post that you'll see coming through when this episode comes out. That is true, and we're also going to share a story on Instagram asking you to vote on which of our lists was better. So that's important. If I don't win, I'll be mad. We will see. But David, what do we have coming up? So coming out on September 22nd, next Wednesday, we are coming back at you with that sexy, sexy man, Outlander season three. Here we go. I don't know about it, man. I've watched the ends and I don't know about it. Will what's her face make her way back to the olden times? You don't find out in the first episode. Is what's his bucket still dead? We will also have watched all of season two to prepare. Yes, we will have done that. I can't wait to see that big bear ass. Jamie's big ass. But it made it sound like I was just talking about a bear's ass. Yeah. Which kind of ties back to Midsummer, actually. 
A little bit. If you haven't already, please go listen to the Midsummer episode. It was a blast, and Chris Fafalios is the man. He's very good. Also, I give him props for doing this uh, this one-hit wonder thing, because this is a lot of work. As always, if you have feedback, send it to thecentercutcast at gmail.com. And go listen to our podcast all on all the different services, but the new one is Good Pods that we're trying to get people on. So go check us out there and leave ratings and all that fun stuff. Yes, please. And remember, our opinion, just like doing the buffalo stance in the meantime with no rain while your girl parties all the time in cars, mm, 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 does not matter. 